Wispy Wispy to go, you know, you know it. On May 4th, my friend approached me on this adventure, and she asked me to go on this adventure with her, and I said no. I was like, I don't want to do that. And then, you know, you have this thing where some friends say, hey, we're doing it. You want to do it? And you're like, no. And then more friends put on, hey, you want to do it? And all of a sudden, you're like, well, maybe. And so what I said out on this, this is an adventure that I never thought I would do. And so on May 4th, I started this training, and I was more focused than I ever had been. The, the adventure was that we were going to go to New York City on September 11th, and we were going to do a 12-hour rucking adventure. I won't bore you with all my stats that I know about rucking now, but I will tell you that it is walking with a weighted pack, like I have on, and in my pack is 20 pounds. Throughout this adventure, I had to start small. I had to be focused. And I was really concerned that I would get to September 11th and be like, I'm not going to make it. Because not only do you carry your 20 pounds, but then you carry all your supplies, which is like water, food, whatever you need for the day. And it's 12 hours. You don't know how far you're going. You don't know who you're going with. You just know, I mean, we had an idea that we'd probably go to the Twin Towers because of September 11th. So I had to be focused. I've never trained for anything in my life. Like, I am not an athletic person. Um, and so I was super focused, and my friend Eric, he came up with this schedule. How many miles I need to do three times a week to do it. You guys, I rocked, I kept track, because I was like, I got to keep track of this. I rocked over 250 miles from May to September 11th. I got up, there were mornings that I wore a headlamp. I do not get up in the fours. I did that. I got up in the fours. I do not like to have bugs or be hot. I rocked one day and there were bugs and flies all over me. One day, um, Eric had this great idea. My friend Eric, he gets me into these things. He's like, you should do the half marathon route, 12 miles. Do it on a Saturday. I ended up in my slides because my feet hurt so bad for like three miles. There was one morning that I was, they have a picture of me walking, and I, um, it was pouring rain and I was in my socks. I was so focused that I had to complete this thing. So we get to New York, I walk down the stairs of the many stairs in my hotel the day before, and I fall, and I sprain my ankle. And I was like, Normally, I'm a baby, you guys, okay? I'll admit it. But I had to. I had to complete. I had done all this training. I had to complete it. Do you have my pictures? Here we are crossing the Brooklyn Bridge. So not only did I have this on, but there were sandbags that were 40, 60, 80, 100, and 120. And the padre, he's the guy who's in charge, and he's like, counting people, and he's like, there's too many things, okay, so we got to dump some out, and so, and there was these big water, so all the water we needed for the day, so my goal was I was not going to give up the 40-pound sandbag, because if I give that up, I have to carry something way, way heavier, and I didn't even know if I could do an extra 40. I did for 12 miles, so you put the sandbag on, next, this is across the Brooklyn Bridge, I'm dying, and right about this moment, I'll tell you a quick, fast story. This guy I noticed in our team is letting our water out. And I look at him and I go, what are you doing? If I get thirsty later and there's no water, I'm coming after you. The Brooklyn Bridge is way longer than you, than I thought it was. Keep going. Is there one more? Okay. So I completed it. 
but I've never in my life been so focused on something to do, to complete something that I didn't know if I could do. And so once again, we're talking this week about focus. And I have to confess, first of all, I'm not going to speak the whole time because this is like heavy. Oh, lighter. Um, I have a confession to you. God really convicted me in my preparation for this. And he's impressed upon my heart the question of, why can I and do I focus on all other events in my life, fitness, friends, work, but yet sometimes I struggle real hard with my relationship with God. I don't know about you, but I picked this up, and this has helped me get back on track, if, I, if you will. Not that I was completely off, but I, my relationship with God wasn't on par, and this has helped me. There's one back there if you want to engage with it. So last week, Matthew talked about focusing on reading God's word and what God has said in it and through it. So this week, we're going to talk about how the words we say can help us grow. Raise your hand if anyone knows who John Machado Jr. is. Ah, this will date me. He is the fastest talking guy on the planet, or he was. He could say 538 words a minute and form syllables five times faster than anyone else. Let's see a video of him. Oh. Can we start the video over just to make sure we... Uh, leaders in this room, who is he? The micro-machine guy. Can you start, the, start it over? How come we can't hear it? Oh, that's so sad. That is a question whether to oh. in the mind to suffer the sins and I was a very just fortunate to consequence to see of troubles and by posing in them to die to sleep to sleep pretend to dream of You get the idea. The micro-machine man here presenting the genuine original, colossally collectible, most midget miniature episodes of the real thing, micro-machines. A lot of people know me as the Micro Machine Man or the FedEx guy or a terrible test of birdie from Saved by the Bell. He talks super fast. So back in the day, he had this commercial and he had these little cars and he, words are not a problem for him. Talking is something we all do and it's not always easy for people to strike up a conversation or share something with someone about themselves. If I gave you 30 seconds to tell someone about yourself, would it be awkward? Would it be difficult, or would it be fun or easy? Hmm. We're going to try it. Do you have a phone on you? Because I gave mine away. Do you have a timer? Okay, I need your timer for a second. Sorry. I give my, my electronics away because I don't want them to buzz and distract me. Okay. So, look at your partner, and you're going to take decide who's first, and you're going to look at that person, and for 30 seconds, you're going to tell them all the things that you can about yourself. Ready, go. about yourself. Ready? Go. 
you go, man. Thanks for helping me. So my question for you, if one is right here and five is here, one, that was easy, fun. Three, that was actually awkward. But five, Amanda, I hated it so much. Don't ever make me do that again. Put up your finger of where you are on the spectrum. So we have some, <laughs> of course, some of you, all right, up here, I was like, are they even talking? Okay, thank you. I've been reflecting on the act of talking a lot. Why do we talk? What ta benefit can talking bring? And what negative things can talking bring? What's the purpose of talking? And I have drawn this conclusion. Well, let me tell you the definition first, because I love definitions. To express or exchange thoughts, feelings, and or desires through spoken word. And I've come to this conclusion that it is super important in life, even for you introverts. It's a crucial component to understanding ourselves and the people around us. Without the, ex the expression of spoken word, we could not gain more information into topics, other people, or ourselves. Without speaking, things would be locked inside of us and some of us would explode, that'd be me, and some of us would probably rot inside. Without speaking, the people around us are confused and wonder about what pe other people are thinking and feeling. Many people say that their fear is public speaking, but I think that more and more, we as humans struggle with speaking just in general to have like real life conversations. And sometimes if you're me, speaking's awkward. I have this knack, you guys, where I call people by the wrong name, super awkward. I went to a funeral, I shouldn't even say this, I wasn't gonna tell you this. I said congratulations. I was in the elevator one time and my kids are like, did you just say that to that stranger? And I was like, I did, but that's not how I meant for it. So like talking can be awkward. Conversations can be awkward. And they're really awkward for me when I'm trying to get to know someone and they stare at me and go, and I'm like, can you hear me? Is my microphone on? And I think this is why talking to God can feel awkward and challenging. Have you been, ever been in a conversation or listening to a teacher and the person's talking and you're like, I have no idea what you're saying. Okay, we've all been there. And so if we can zone out with a human here, imagine what it's like to, you know, to talk to a God who is like not in front of us and doesn't respond in the usual ways. When I first started my relationship with God, I would pray and question can he hear me? And so I'd repeat myself, and he's like, oh, gosh, Amanda, come on. I'd, be, I'd wonder, is our connection bad? Do I need to say something specific? Do I need to do something specific? There have been times in my life when I treated talking to God like a genie in a bottle, like, hey, I'll rub, give me my wish, hopefully you grant it. Learning a new skill like riding a bike or creating a habit is really hard and awkward at first. You mess up, you get discouraged, and you want to quit. There were times I was like, why am I carrying a heavy backpack? But learning and learning to talk to God can be totally the same way. It might feel confusing, uncomfortable, and weird, but you are not the only one who feels that way. 
when I'm struggling to talk to God for whatever reason, I think about this conversation that Jesus had with a woman. So I need you to turn to page 888. 888. It's John 4, 5 through 30. And for the sake of time, I'm going to start reading even though you're not quite there. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from, as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And before I continue on to the story, you're like, it's a conversation. But without the context of the conversation, you don't understand how awkward the conversation really is. And it's awkward for three reasons. Number one, Jesus is a Jew and the woman is a Samaritan. Jews would purposely go like a day out of their journey to go around the city because they did not want, they did not agree with these people. There was this divide. Socially, they did not get along. Number two, not only were there cultural differences, but gender. Men and women, you didn't talk. You wouldn't even be in this room learning together. That's number two. Number three, Jesus is going to confront the lady's love life. And you all just got felt real awkward right there, right? It's awkward. Let's read on. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no, nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father's Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, and as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, here it goes, guys. Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband. You have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. And what you have said is true. So we want to take this and put this into our culture. But this is a different culture, different time. And so we can't assume things about this situation. Some people might think that Jesus is implying that she's been sinning and ashamed of her choices. While that could be the case, without a husband, the times were different. Women didn't have the freedom to choose their husbands like we do today. Without a husband, women were excluded from society. They, um, you can tell that here she's trying to stay away from people because of the time of day. You would not walk in the desert at noon to go get hot, to go get water. She is trying to exclude herself for some reason. Women relied on their husbands for financial security. We don't need guys these days, okay? We got it, ladies. But that's how it's different. 
So while it's possible Jesus was challenging her life choices, many believe that Jesus was letting her know that he understood her problems before she even spoke of them. He saw her true situation. He didn't care that she was a woman. He didn't care she was from Samaritan, from Samaria. I can't even talk, you guys. See, I'm awkward. For these reasons, the woman was astounded that Jesus would acknowledge her and was actually confused, like, what do you want from me? Why are you talking to me? Let's go on, 19. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you were a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, women, believe me, the hour is coming when neither of this mountain nor in Jerusalem you will worship your father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. He's basically saying, lady, do you, do you believe me or not? God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship. Oh, I already said that. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, and when he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I speak, I who speak to you, I'm him. Then the disciples came back, and they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jug, she didn't even get her water, and went to the town to, and told the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town, and, and they were coming to him. It goes on, and actually she was like, you have to meet him, and many people met Jesus because of this woman's interaction. And so despite these potentially awkward situation that Jesus put this woman in, two things were revealed. The truth about who she was, because Jesus knew everything about her. And the truth about who Jesus was. She was surprised. I'm standing in front of the Messiah. Jesus offered her living water. Yes, he was offering her physical water. But more importantly, he was offering her something that her soul could take in and be satisfied forever. Have you ever had a time in your life when you were so thirsty that nothing quenches it? I'm right there right now. He was offering her a gift that would quench her soul and satisfy her forever. Because she engaged with Jesus. She was in awe of these words, and she left her jug, and she went and told people about the love that she experienced. Talking to and God inspired her to feel something different, become something different, and do different things. That conversation with Jesus changed her life. And when she focused her from herself to talking to God, she learned about who Jesus was and who she was. We may think that we need these certain words in the right attitude or be in this building to talk to God, but you don't. Just like her, she came the way she was and she encountered Jesus. As I've learned in my own journey how to pray, the most freeing and awkward times, ask my family, is when there's complete chaos happening in my home or car, and everyone's bickering, and this is what I do. In the name of Jesus, bring peace. And everyone's like, oh my God, my mom has lost her mind. But it focuses 
from what's happening in chaos to God and peace. And there are times when I, in the quietest of the time, can be praying. I don't do that in public, but at any point I can call upon him and to let him know where my heart is. It reminds me of a verse in Psalms, Psalms 18.6, don't turn. In my distress, I called upon the Lord to my God. I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. Talking to God can feel super intimidating, and crying out to him to help you can feel real vulnerable. But God sent Jesus to love and care for us. It's a conversation, you guys. And there are times where I could stand here and I could tell you all the stories of where God has led me in prayer, and I, I don't want to do that. And you know why? Because God has shown me crazy things, and I don't want you to compare our stories. Like the Samaritan woman, she had overcome her fears and hesitations. What fears or hesitations do you have when it comes to talking to Jesus? Do you feel his judgment? Do you fear that he's not even there? Or maybe he doesn't care in your mind. How can we call out to him in all times? What has been really on my heart today is that I don't want to share those specific stories because I want you to create them. And the only way that you're going to have those growing times and those experiences with God is if you take a baby step and do it yourself. In this space, you have the freedom and the safety to do that. Someday, or in 10, 8 minutes, you're going to walk out of here and you can still do it. And at the end of this year, you're going to walk out of this building, or maybe in six years, you're going to walk out. But this is a tool in your tool belt that you can bring with you anywhere, and you can grow with God, and you can have the peace that he gives you. We're going to end our time, because you guys probably already know that I love songs. And this song reflects my heart for each of you. There's a man in this, and he's singing about his own children. And I see each of you in this, in this maybe awkward way that you're my children, and I want you to grow your relationship with God by talking to him. And so there's going to be this time of two minutes of instrumental, and you're going to be like, this is awkward. But it's going to be loud enough in here that you can take a baby step for the first time or for... Maybe you're good at praying out loud, and you can start your journey with having a conversation with God. Can you start it? Grandma used to pray out loud by in bed every night. It sounded like mumbling Like she was out of her mind She said, boy, this kind of praying Is what saved my life 
You ought to try it sometime And now I know she was right She was talking to Jesus She was talking to Jesus And she'd been talking to Jesus For all of her life Mama used to drag me to church Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights Khaki pants and a polo shirt Boy, I put up a fight She said, son, one day you'll thank me For having God in your life And yeah, I know she was right Yeah, my mama was right Cause now I'm talking to Jesus she got me talking to Jesus She got me talking to Jesus Yeah, my mama was right Cause now I'm talking to Jesus Yeah, I love talking to Jesus And I'll be talking to Jesus For the rest of my life what a friend we have in Jesus What a friend we have in Jesus Don't you know What a friend we have in Jesus Oh, what a friend we have What a friend we have in Jesus What a friend we have in Jesus What a friend we have in Jesus Oh I've got three of my own now Trying to raise them upright My oldest is 15 And I remember what that was like Trying to deal with the drama Trying to figure out the questions in life And I've been looking for a way to show him how to make it all right Then he walked in my room While I was saying my prayers the other night He said, I'll come back later I can tell you got a lot on your mind I said, it's not an interruption You couldn't have picked a better time I was just talking to Jesus Come over and give it a try We started talking to Jesus
Oh, 